standing over yonder and there's too much to gain to lose and I've crossed the hot burning desert while struggling the right but I know that somewhere up ahead there's cool clear waters so defeat is one word I won't use sing the chorus with me today sunsets lie behind the mountain and too many rivers my feet have walked through and too many treasures are waiting over yonder so there's too much to gain, to lose. First verse again. Too many miles behind me. And too many trials are through. that there's too much to gain to lose sing it with me again oh yes too many sunsets lie behind the mountain and too many rivers And there's too much to gain to lose. Close your eyes, lift your hands, and sing it. Yes, too many sunsets lie behind the mountain, and too many rivers. treasures are waiting over yonder so there's too much to gain to lose worship the Lord again tonight everybody let's stand and praise him together thank you Jesus hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Praise God. Praise God. Lord, we love you tonight, Jesus. Walk with us. Walk with us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, musicians. Before I go into the Word of God tonight, I do want us to go in prayer to the Lord and remember some very vital needs. First of all, again, Brother Terry Lee in the hospital. Keep praying for him for complete healing. Uh, he's had several, several bad, bad episodes with his pancreas. The doctor told him yesterday that every one of these episodes is causing more and more damage and, uh, you know, could possibly even face the uh, prospect of, of it not even functioning anymore. And so that would be very, very serious. A lot of pain. Keep praying for him. Also, we mentioned this morning Brother Mike Phillips' daughter, Angela, and her brand-new infant baby, Emma, both in the hospital having complications, the little babies in ICU having what looks like seizures, pray for her. Then I also received word this afternoon that Sister Lambeth passed away this morning. The elder Sister Lambeth has been in declining health for some time. Of course, Elder Lambeth passed away about three and a half years ago, and uh, she has even been battling Alzheimer's now for some time, uh, but she passed away, went on to her reward this morning. She doesn't have Alzheimer's right now, but pray for the family, Brother Cleve Lambeth, Brother Brad Lambeth and their families. God would give them comfort and strength during this time of loss. It's not an unanticipated, but it's a loss nonetheless. So pray for them. How many of you need healing in your bodies again tonight? Let's see your hands. Pray for all those that aren't here. God would touch them. All right. Jesus, we come to you again tonight. We thank you because you're an ever-present help in the time of need. We pray, God, concerning these special needs, Brother Terry Lee, Sister Angela, and her baby, Emma, God, would you touch them to be with the Lambeth family today at this time of loss and bereavement. Give them comfort and strength. Pray, God, for those of this church family that you would give them healing also. Those that are here, those not here, stretch forth your hand, do the work, God. Hallelujah. We continue to pray for brother and sister Merritt. God, we ask for your healing and your strength upon them. Oh, God, every situation represented here tonight, God, would you just undertake somehow. Have your way now, Lord, as we get ready to uh, deliver your word. Speak to minds and hearts. Help us and strengthen us, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise the Lord. Keep praying for revival. Keep fasting. Continue to ask everyone who is physically able to commit yourself to fasting at least one day for revival. Let's keep that up. Keep praying. Pray for these that have been visiting. Pray for the young lady that was here Wednesday night. I believe her name was Jessica. Pray for her. Uh, is that right, Jessica? And uh, she also mentioned her sister. 
They just recently lost their mother. Uh, so let's pray that God will do a work in her life <clears throat> and uh, uh, that souls will be saved and born into the kingdom of God. We need souls to be saved. We need sons and daughters to be born into the kingdom of God. All right, you're standing, and I'm going to ask that you turn with me to a familiar passage in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. We've referred often to this passage, but I want to use it for our starting point again tonight. And uh, I know you're not going to believe me when I say this, but I'm not going to keep you real long tonight. You don't have to believe me if you don't want to, but just stand and watch. Praise God. You don't think I'm capable of it, I show you I am. Amen. I promise not to go over two hours tonight. Promise. Right. Promise. Right. Promise not to go over two hours tonight. Amen. Anything under that short. Amen. Depending on what you're comparing it to. Praise the Lord. I've known five minutes to be a long time during a root canal. Praise God. So anyhow. Hebrews chapter 10, and I've known some 15-minute sermons to seem like a lifetime also. <clears throat> and verse number 35, For you or cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God he might receive the promise for yet a little while he that shall come will come and will not tarry now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I actually touched for just a moment on what, uh, this morning, on what I want to preach tonight. But uh, let me just talk to you for a little while on this subject removing the quit option. Removing the quit option. Everybody has. Everyone here has that option, but I'd like to remove it here tonight. I'd like to get you to remove it here tonight. Amen. God bless you. We've already prayed. You may be seated. I just finished reading a book a few days ago that had been recommended to me. In fact, someone bought it and gave it to me. It was entitled Lone Survivor. It uh, was written by a uh, Navy SEAL by the name of Marcus Luttrell. The book is primarily 
about a conflict that took place, a battle that took place in Afghanistan in 2005, I believe it was. 2005, 2006, somewhere in there, in which uh, it was the deadliest day in the history of the Navy SEALs. They lost more men that day than they had lost in any other day of their entire several decades long history. In fact, over 20 men were killed that day, not all of them Navy SEALs, but some 20-plus men were killed, some in the firefight, and others were killed in a helicopter that was shot down that came to rescue them or came to join in the fight. And the author of the book, Marcus Luttrell, this is a true story, was the lone survivor of the conflict that day. It's a very, very touching and troubling story. Really makes you aware of the price that's being paid over there even today. And the conflict that's taking place, we're eating our hamburgers and living our lives, but there are men laying their lives on the line even as we speak and almost daily there's new casualties added to the total and every week there are some good men young men and even a few young ladies that come home in coffins but in the process of the story he tells of the unique training involved in becoming a Navy SEAL, which is uh, one of the most elite fighting forces in all the world. They are members, of course, of what we would call special forces. There's the Navy SEALs, there's the Frogmen, there's the Green Berets, uh, the, the Army Rangers, each branch has its own special forces, and, and uh, the Navy has their SEALs. The term SEAL, even though they're normally associated with water-type uh, combat, it stands for sea, air, and land. And so these men are trained to do very, very specialized combat in any type of situation, whether on sea, in the air, or on land. And their training is, therefore, some of the most rigorous in the world. Before you will ever be accepted into the training process, there are very stringent requirements that have to be met. And then of those who are accepted, they are sent, many of them, to Coronado, California, where their training camp is. And there they will spend over two months in very, very physically demanding uh, situations, just preparing them for 
the climax of all of this training, which is called Hell Week. And these months of preparation leading up to Hell Week weeds out the vast majority of those who even arrive. If I'm not mistaken, some 150-some young men lined up along with Marcus Luttrell uh, of his class that was going to be uh, seeing if they had what it took to become Navy SEALs. They were all Navy men already. They'd all been through regular basic training and all the other training associated with the Navy, but this takes it to a much, much higher level. And of the 150-some, if my memory is correct, of that class that even uh, were, was going to attempt to qualify to become Navy SEALs at Coronado, uh, over half of them had been weeded out, close to two-thirds of them had been weeded out before they ever got to Hell Week. And so uh, it is very demanding, and along the way, if they cannot perform at a certain level, if they cannot meet the rigorous requirements, swim so far in so much time, run so far in so much time, lift so much, do so many exercises, whatever, within prescribed limits, then they are disqualified. Disqualified, they are sent back to their ship, uh, to their regular base, and life goes on as it does for most of the other enlisted men. But, but those that remain continue on with this program. And uh, along with this, uh, they are, uh, you know, it starts early, early in the morning. The very first thing they do is they have to run through these cold, high-pressure showers, cold water. And it comes out very high pressure like a car wash. They have to run through that. I mean, wake up from a dead sleep, run through that, and then dress and run out and get ready to start their exercise regimen for that day, which begins with them running down to the beach uh, right there at Coronado. And the first thing they do is they have to get wet and sandy. This is in their full clothes. They have to run out into the surf. And if you've ever been to California and put your tootsies in the surf there, it's not like the Gulf of Mexico. It is cold water. They have to run out there, completely immerse themselves, get wet, run out into the sand, roll around in the sand, and get all sandy. And then they began their exercises. And then they do a series of push-ups and other things. And then their instructor will yell out again, get wet and sandy. So right back out into the surf they go. They get wet. They roll around in the sand. They get all sandy. Sand in their hair. Sand in their face. Sand in their collar. Sand underneath their shirt. Sand, amen, in their trousers. And, uh, 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 you know, the addition of the wetness, the coldness, and the sand makes everything else they do exceedingly irritated uh, and, uh, and, and, and uncomfortable. And this they do day in and day out. Uh, and it's very, very tough, and a lot of men fall by the wayside. 
during those months. But when hell week comes along, my friend, as I read through that, I thought this is not even humanly possible. And it starts around a Sunday, late Sunday afternoon, and it will go on all the way until the following weekend. And once hell week begins, it is really and truly, pardon the expression, hell on, we, uh, hell on earth. It is a series of getting wet and sandy, doing push-ups, running for miles with a large log held over their heads in their team. It is exercises in the rafts in the sea. It is back into the surf, rolling on the sand, push-ups, very little food. They do not sleep. They are not allowed to catch the first winks of sleep for the first four days. Days and night, day and night into the wee hours of the morning, pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing their bodies beyond the limits that they ever thought they were capable of. Praise the Lord. Along the way, they also have to uh, endure all manner of humiliation. They are yelled at. They are berated. They are driven. They are called every name in the book. Everything to strip them of their dignity and of their pride and of their arrogance. Their will is broken down along with their bodies. And every mistake they make, wet and sandy, more push-ups, more this, more that, up, running over dunes, back down, and on and on, day and night, very little sleep. They are made to go out and stand in the surf for up to 15 minutes in that cold water that is some 60, some degrees, where they know exactly how long, those instructors do, they know exactly how long the human body can stand in that temperature of water before hypothermia sets in. So they take them right to that limit and then bring them back out, roll them in the sand, more push-ups, get them all heated back up, run back out the water, stand there for another 15 minutes until their teeth are chattering and they're shaking and, and uh, uh, grown men are crying. It's just... It's the most unbelievable thing you can imagine. Praise the Lord. You all listening to me tonight. And uh, uh, the, the thing that I want to impress on you, one of the things is that um, Mr. Latrell makes the statement that one of the captains of this uh, very, very uh, uh, rigorous training told him later, he said, what we are after is your mind. Your body can put up with almost anything. What we are trying to see is if we can break your mind. Because he said, uh, you know, even under those circumstances where it almost looks like it's just, they're being inhuman and they're being unfair and they're being this and they're being that. He said, we know how much you can take and we take you to that limit and stop. But the enemy 
will not be that kind. The enemy will take you beyond that point. And the enemy will try to destroy you. And the enemy will be out to kill you. And if your mind can be broken down, then you are going to cave in under fire. And you're going to succumb to the pressure of actual combat. So we're trying to weed out the guys who when pressure comes, they will break mentally. Consequently, there was a little bell. A little bell that was up near the mess hall. And at any time during their training at Coronado Beach, these Navy SEALs were told if they reached a point where they had had enough, where they just didn't want to take the abuse anymore, they didn't want to get wet and sandy anymore. They didn't want to be cold. They didn't want to be hungry. They didn't want to be tired and sleepy and miserable and wretched and their muscles on fire and their bodies aching and their joints swollen. And all. If at any time they decided they'd had enough, they could step out of formation and run up and ring that little bell. And that was the signal, I've had enough, and I'm quitting. I'm dropping out. They would take off their helmet with their name and their number on it and lay it down there by that little bell. And as he narrates this story, he tells about uh, man after man who they just reached, some of them big he-men, muscular uh, specimens of manhood. Some of them who maybe were, in his opinion, more physically fit than he was. Just at some point, their will is so totally broken. They run up and they ring that bell. Men who had survived uh, some eight or ten weeks of the lead up to Hell Week. And they knew what they were in for. They had been told they had been prepped and primed and they knew how hard it was going to be and they felt like they had what it took and then here comes hell week before that the sun ever rose on the first morning some six or seven helmets had been added to the line. Those men ran and rang that bell and they said no questions would be asked. If somebody decided that had enough, nobody was to ridicule them. Nobody was to make fun of them. Nobody would berate them. They would allow them to go, ring the bell, and quit. And somebody would pick them up. They'd go get showered. They'd go get dressed. They'd go get some good hot food. And then they'd be shipped back to their ship. And that would be the end of it. And nobody would ever think less of them for it uh, because they just didn't feel like they had what it took. And Latrell says that there were times, there was one time in particular where he speaks about this one guy. He was a leader among them. He was a leader of one of the crews. He was highly loved and respected. And in the middle of all of this, all of a sudden, he just got that look in his eyes and he started up that hill toward that bell. And his close buddy ran after him saying, no, don't go, and turned to the instructors and said, 
He doesn't mean it. He's just lost his mind. He's not thinking right. I've got to, I've got to talk him out of it. And the instructor said, let him go. Let him go. And then told them later, if in all of their experience, if a man ever once headed for the bell, they would never last. Even if they changed their mind and came back and rejoined the group, if they ever headed toward that bell, it was because they had entertained the option to quit. They would never survive the program. They never made it all the way through because they had allowed the option to quit to enter into their mind. Are you all hearing me tonight? Yes, Hallelujah. And so as Latrell saw some of these men who he admired and thought being superior and greater and stronger than himself, as he saw one by one them running up and ringing the little bell, and he realized that it's not in your physical strength and prowess. It's not in your abilities. It is a mental thing, a mental thing. And so he made up his mind. He said, I would rather die on that beach than entertain the option to quit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. The same is true in our spiritual walk with God. We're in the battle for our lives here. The enemy is throwing everything he can at us. But let me tell you something. It's not about your body. It's not about your sickness. It's not about your financial problems. It's not about the trouble in your family. It's not about anything else. That you, what the enemy is after is your mind. He's wanting to break you down mentally. He's wanting you to reach the point where you say, I've had enough. I can't take no more of this. I'm quitting. I'm dropping out. And what I'd like here tonight is to somehow, amen, convince you to remove forever from your mind the option to quit. You see, with them, they could ring that little bell and they could rejoin their regular group off on the ship and life would go on. But for us, life does not go on. For us, eternity is a long, long time. For us, there is nothing beyond this. There is no option B. There is no alternative. It's all the way or nothing. It's heaven or bust. It's making... It all the way to the end or die in the attempt. It's hearing him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The writer here said, We are not of them that draw back unto perdition, because there are those that do draw back. It just gets too much for them, too hard for them. Oh, for a while they're all excited about living for God. But then after a while it's, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. 
I didn't know there was going to be this many trials. I didn't know there was going to be so many devils. I didn't know I was going to find hypocrites in the church. I didn't know there was going to be problems in the church. I didn't know there was going to be whatever, 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 whatever. And I don't care what there is tonight. We've got to make up our mind. There is no quit option. I am never going to ring that little bell. I am never going to take my helmet off. Just recently, just before I left for Brazil, I read from this passage where Paul is speaking to the elders at Ephesus and he says, he speaks about how he was with them from the first day that he had come into Asia, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Can you understand there are those that lie in wait to trip you up? There are those that lie in wait just to see you fall. There are those that lie in wait just to rejoice in your failure. It's hard to believe people would be so wicked that all they got to do is look for the faults in other people and get excited when somebody stumbles and falls. But he spoke about the lying and weight of the Jews. And then he wrote, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying, that bonds and afflictions abide me. It's a pretty sad thing to look forward to, nothing but trouble in every city, and yet he said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy. Isn't that what he says? Hallelujah. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I've got my mind made up. I am closing this thing out with joy. And it doesn't matter what I have to endure between here and there. I ain't quitting. I'm not going to let any of it move me. I'm not going to let any of it bother me. I'm not going to let any of it change my mind. Someone commented, I think, this week on the fact that they had researched it out and seen that even from that point where Paul said that, that we might easily think that it was just a little while from there to when he was martyred, but not so. Several years passed by from the time that he was imprisoned by the Romans and taken here and taken there 
and spent time in prison in this place and in that place and all the things that happened until he writes to the Corinthian church and you know it well he said are they ministers of Christ I speak as a fool I am more in labors more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons more often in deaths oft of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one Three times I was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. And Latrell thought the seals had it bad. In weariness, everybody say weariness. And painfulness, everybody say painfulness. In watchings often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Beside those things which are without. That which cometh upon me daily. The care of all the churches. When is enough enough? You would think at some point this man would say, I'm ready in the little bell. I didn't know I was signing up for all of this. I didn't know I was going to suffer all that. Somebody should have told me. Somebody should have warned me. But there was no quit in this man. This is the man that said forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth to the things that are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know why? He had a long time ago removed the option to quit. Hallelujah. He said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him. In his mind, it was a done deal. Some of y'all need to listen to me right now. One thing that struck me about this story that Latrell was telling was the fact that his captain during uh, his speech before hell week said you're going to think you're going to think that you can't take anymore he said what you need to do is not think about your future sufferings don't think about how bad it's going to get tomorrow just get through the moment just deal with the moment. Deal with the hardship of that moment. The trial of that moment. The pain of that moment. The challenge of that moment. And if you deal with that, and you deal with the next one as it comes, and the next one as it comes, you'll find that hours will turn into days. And before you know it, the week will be passed, and you will have survived hell week. You can't think on Monday about how bad it's going to be by Thursday. You got to just get through Monday, and then you got to get through Tuesday, and then you got to get through Wednesday, and then you got to get through Thursday. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm saying to you tonight, you got to quit thinking about your trials that are coming down the road and how bad it can be and what the devil's going to throw at you in the future. You just got to live through this day. You just got to get through this day. You got to get through this trial. You got to get through this situation. You got to face this challenge. And if you'll get up every morning and you'll pray and you'll seek God for strength for that day and then just get through that day and then the next day you do the same thing and you get through that day and then you get through the next day. The days will start stringing together. Days will turn into weeks and weeks will turn into months and months will become years and before you know it, you're going to take that big step across from this world into the next world. Amen. And you're going to receive your reward. And yet man that heard that captain say that forgot that once the pressure was on. And many men quit during hell week because they were looking ahead to the trials yet to come. With every muscle burning in their body, with their lungs on fire, Every cell in their physical being crying out in pain. They were looking ahead to what was going to come if it's this bad today. Oh, what's it going to be like tomorrow? And the next day, and the next day they forgot it. So they reached that point where they said, enough is enough. Run up and ring the little bell and quit. But you know what? As bad as it was, there were men that completed it. There were men that went all the way through that week. There were men that by the time they got to Friday, they felt like they were walking dead. Amen. And they couldn't take any more, but they had somehow made it from Sunday afternoon all the way to Friday. And then they were told, run up over to this staging area. And they ran that way, just barely dragging that some of them helping each other go. Could just barely make it, thinking, here we go again. I don't know what they're going to ask us to do, but I don't know how we're going to do it. And they ran there expecting more exercises, but ready to do them. And when they reached that place, there were all of these officers greeting them with a big smile saying, congratulations, gentlemen, you have made it through hell week. They said they fell to their knees, some of them, and cried like babies with joy because they had endured it. And how proud they were when they shook their commanding officer's hands and they had those ribbons pinned to them and they knew in spite of everything they'd been through and all their buddies they had lost, they had survived it. They had made it. They could now wear the title, I am a Navy SEAL. As bad as it is, brothers and sisters, know this, somebody's going to make it. 
as bad as it might be for you right now, others have been where you are at and they made it. This morning a dear lady slipped the bonds of earth, amen, and reached up to touch the face of God. Elder Sister Lambeth, 51 years on the mission field through every kind of hardship and torment and trouble that you could imagine, but you know what? She made it. And I guarantee you waiting for her on the other side was the one she had been serving for all these years with a big smile on his face. You made it. As bad as it is, some of y'all aren't hearing me, as bad as it is, somebody's going to make it. It might as well be you. Yet there are those sitting right here who every other week, every other week are entertaining the quit option. Every month or so, every few months or so, you're sitting around thinking about quitting. What I read in the book about them saying that Anybody who makes a move toward that little bell generally does not survive to become a Navy SEAL. I thought about people down through the years. They had so much potential. They had so much ability. They had so much to contribute to the kingdom of God. And I wanted them to make it so bad. And in so many words, I saw them head toward the little bell. And I ran after them saying, come on now, you don't mean it. You're not thinking straight. You're just under pressure. The battle is on and so your mind isn't clear. You don't really mean that. I even prayed in their behalf. God, don't pay no attention to them. They don't mean this. But I'm here to tell you the majority of the times that I've seen anybody head toward the little bell. They never did make it. It might be just a matter of weeks or months. But eventually they fall out because they allowed the option to quit. To enter into their mind. And once you allow that option to quit to enter into your mind, it's just a matter of time before it gets bad enough that you will exercise that option. But if I can persuade you tonight to take that option out and serve the devil notice, I don't care how bad it gets, how long the trial is, how dark, the night, how deep the valley, how wide the river, I'm not quitting. When I go down, I'm going to go down scratching. Trying to make it a little bit farther because I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting.
there comes a time the instructors say in the book in later conversations with Luttrell they watch those men said a lot of times they can pretty well figure out who's going to make it all the way through from the very beginning they can just see it in their faces they can tell in their demeanor in their attitude and they can pretty well peg the ones that aren't those that aren't they just take a little bit for granted here and there those that aren't try to fudge just a little bit here and there try to bend the rules just a little bit here and there Eventually, the process weeds them out. Or eventually, they feel like this is for the birds who needs this. They run and ring that little bell and they quit. Again, I've seen people I wanted to make it so bad. And yet you can tell by their nature, by their character, by their attitude, by their disposition, they're just really not sold out. Sometimes you just have to stand there and watch as time unfolds and the months turn into years sometimes before the process of life and trials and tribulations weeds them out. Or until they just throw in the towel and call it quits. Say, come on, Brother Alviar, you got to be reasonable, you know. I mean, too much is too much. Enough is enough. And all, can I tell you, the enemy will not be kind to you. The enemy will take you to the limit. The man spent several chapters talking about their training because... Once you get into the actual firefight and him with three of his friends are surrounded by a superior force of over 150 Taliban warriors shooting rain, a rain of lead at them for hours on end. And they are falling from the mountain and they are breaking bones and they are getting shot. And they're getting hurt and wounded and they're bleeding and, and uh, their life's blood is draining from them and, and the enemy is still coming on. Then he understood why the training had to be so rigorous. Because he said one thing for sure. It didn't matter how bad it was going to get. Not one of them was going to quit. The thought of surrender would not begin to enter into their minds. There are trials that happen in life that are nothing more than preparation. Nothing more than training and conditioning. See if we've got what it takes. But then there comes a time, ladies and gentlemen, when the fight is on. I told you I wouldn't keep you long and I'm about to quit. 
It's the only quit I'm going to allow here tonight. I'm going to exercise that option. I'm going to quit. This message anyway. But the fight is going to be on and you're going to think that there is no way you will survive. But if you will somehow through the earlier trials and tests of life brand it into your brain, quit is not an option. Then also surrender will not be an option. I sang that song tonight because the second verse says, and defeat is one word, I won't you. Oh, some of you are hearing me and some of you aren't. There's somebody here tonight that's going to grab a hold of this. And it doesn't matter what hell throws at them, they're going to come out victorious. And there are others that are going to fold under pressure. David... Excuse me, Peter said this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time wherein you greatly rejoice, though now, everybody say now, for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That's what it's all about. It's getting to the end of this thing and receiving the salvation of our souls. The fourth chapter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And I'm closing with these well-known words. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, endured the cross. He endured everything they threw at him. They whipped 
him until his flesh hung like ribbons. Until the blood poured from his body. They beat him with rods. They spit in his face. They punched him with their fists. They pressed a crown of thorns to his brow. They stretched him across uh, those timbers and nailed his hands and feet to a cross. They suspended him between earth and sky. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. But he endured it all. Absorbed it all for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. And it goes on to say, For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. They never broke him. With everything they threw at him, he still exulted just before he died. It is finished! So that he could say, I have overcome the world. So that he could say to his disciples later, be of good cheer, it is I. Peace be unto you. I've been to the battle. Amen. They put everything they could at me, but I survived. I came through with my spirit intact. And we've got to get to that point. Is there anybody here tonight that is willing to remove the quit option from your mind? Understand. Hallelujah. Somebody come for just a moment to the music. You've heard me say many times before, they didn't tell Paul what all he was going to face when he first got into this. Except that the words were, I will show him what great things he will suffer for my name. But I wonder if he saw the shipwrecks. I wonder if he saw the beatings. I wonder if he saw the stoning. They stoned him and left him for dead. All the perils and all the abuses... But never one time does he even insinuate. Man, if I had it to do over again. They didn't tell me 30 some years ago either when I was a young man what all I was going to face. It's a good thing. It might would have broken my spirit. But here I am now all these years later. 
Brother, 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 brother. My mind is made up. We've got young people standing here tonight that need to remove the quit option. Somebody might just be biding their time till you get old enough to make your own decisions. Then you're going to exercise the quit option. Well, everybody who does is not fit for the kingdom of God. I hate to be that blunt, but I'm not the original one to say that. Jesus said, any man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is not fit. Oh, I'm not talking about those that got derailed in life along the way and they caught themselves and they awoke one day like the prodigal son and they made their way back. I'm not here to berate, humiliate, or make anybody feel like less than a person who has stumbled and fallen and yet you're here tonight. The important thing is you're here tonight. You're here tonight. But for everyone that makes it back, there's about 95 that never do. You better not take your chance and say, well, so-and-so quit and they came back and everything's fine. I can show you many, many others that never, ever did. And it's not because they're happy, they're miserable, they're sad. Their lives are in ruins today. Let's play that song, Sister Lanier, Too Many Miles. Too many sunsets lie behind the mountains. Behind the mountains, too 
many rivers my feet have walked through and to many treasures are waiting over yonder and there's too just kneeling here tonight. I hope you're talking to God. hope you're talking to God. God, if you see any quit in me, if you see any quit in me, take it out. Take it out tonight. Remove from me the quit option. Oh, God. Remove the thought of surrender far from my mind, from my heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to make it all I want to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, hallelujah. Oh, I crossed the hot burning desert, oh, while struggling the right road to choose. Somewhere up ahead, there's cool, clear waters. So defeat is one word I won't use. Oh, talk to the Lord tonight. everybody together let's talk to the Lord Jesus oh God you look down upon this group of people tonight you know what every one of us can bear that's what your word says God you know what we can bear you will not put on us more than we can bear not nearly, not nearly as considerate. He will do everything in his power to destroy us. But oh, 
our frame, would you consider our frailty and what we are capable of and not capable of? Oh, God, don't let the enemy take us past that point. Oh, Lord, don't let us ever consider the option to quit or surrender. Keep us strong, I pray. Hallelujah. Let everyone under the sound of my voice someday hear you welcome them into the joys of the Lord. Oh, God, give us strength and fortitude. Give us victory and overcoming power. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Give us the ability, Lord, to just take it an hour at a time, a day at a time. Get through the trial of the moment. Get through the task, the challenge of that day. And believe you will give us strength for the next day. Hallelujah. Until someday, Lord, we will emerge from that trial. Granted, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every man, every woman, every young person, God, hold up the hands and hang down. Be the lifter up of our hands. Encourage our heart and soul somehow. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Sing it with me one more time. Oh, to many sunsets. place tonight but not your presence give us strength for our journey grace sufficient unto the day your word said is the evil thereof but you give more grace give us grace God for that day give us our daily bread for that day hallelujah help us to make it a day at a time a day at a time Jesus name watch over us protect us keep us under your blood safe from safe in body soul and spirit till we meet again in Jesus name everybody say in Jesus name thank you for your patience and attention tonight amen turn and greet somebody in Jesus name and tell them no quit option no quit option